Hello, Wild Wanders, and welcome to a special episode of Wittershin Stories for Salem Daughters of Darkness Festival. I'm your narrator, Ashley, and I will be guiding you along this story today with Joe Saborn, our bard who's behind the scenes, both live composing and who has put together these great visual effects for us to watch today. We're going to be performing this week She by Alison Carr Wechter. If you've been following along, you will have heard some other stories by her. She's amazing. We're really excited to have her this week. And we've put together this video visualizer so you can follow along while we tell the tale. We hope that you enjoy watching, and here's our story. Where did it go? Sweat beads at her temples, dripping onto her lavender-colored dress. The air is close and heavy, full of springtime heat and water. She stands under the ancient ceiling fan, and her eyes dart from table to table, shelf to shelf, but she doesn't see it. If she's honest, as she's forced to be, she doesn't know why it's so important to find it. It isn't that the memory is forgotten, more like it's lost. It's like this in the beginning, always. Merging takes time. There are traditions to put back in place, customs to recall, and always the objects. Not to mention the uncomfortable physical aspects. Ondine would rather not go through this in the stagnant spring humidity. The smell of the lilacs and the pleasantly overgrown yard, the buzz of the hive, the way the skin on her arms is beginning to lose the look of the moon. Ondine would always prefer an autumnal changeover, but that simply wasn't possible. Her time was up, and this was her option. The sound of metal hitting the wood floor tingles in her ear. Sound seems to echo here, so differently from before, where for seven years all was muffled by rich, packed dirt. Only the quiet sound of the burrowing creatures and bare feet on lush moss kept her company in the cool below. She shakes her head, knowing it's better not to remember this. Do not remember below. Do not think of the cool air. Do not remember the silver subterranean streams. Do not remember the sparkle of the cavern lakes. Do not remember the voices of the beloved. Do not remember the smell of the fungi or moss. Do not remember the songs of the people. Do not remember below. She shakes her head. No, Ondine shakes her head. The she of below is, but is not. The she of below must find the tinkling metal and remember why the little circlet is so important. The she of below must remember to be Ondine. Her tender feet, not so used to being bare on stuff so hard, felt the rough wood planks beneath them as she wanders through the cottage looking for the source of the sound. In the whitewashed dining room with the heavy table Morgana built, an enormous black cat sits in stark contrast to the pale surroundings. 
its golden eyes blink at her in recognition from the table where it sits on the edge, looking down on the little circlet of silver it has knocked on the floor. She approaches, the cat sniffs the air. Undine feels goosebumps prickle on the back of her arms. Cat must weigh 20 pounds without an ounce of fat on him. She's very aware of his size as she draws near enough to see the silver circlet is what she's been searching for. The cat's eyes focus on her and he hisses, which causes her heart to jump beat and thump against her heavy lungs. She barks a laugh and breathes out, Oh, Jack, don't you know me? Cat startles, blinks, sniffs the air again, and then hops off the table, winding itself around her legs. Its ears nearly reach her knees, and it tucks its head under the hem of her dress for a moment, then bats at the circlet playfully across the floor. Not a circlet. A ring. She chases it, and Jack follows, letting out a bright mew and swishing his fluffy, silky tail against her bare legs. She plucks the ring from the floor just before it rolls under an ancient buffet that belonged to Andine's grandmother. My grandmother, she corrects herself aloud. She slips the ring onto her left hand onto the second finger from the pinky, onto her second finger from the pinky. She knows without looking what the engraving scraped across her raw-feeling skin says. Forever and always. It is Morgana she remembers best, with her wild midnight hair and her dark eyes, with her willowy arms and strong legs. Taste of her mouth like a cool stream on the hottest summer day. Morgana always tastes like water, and this reverberates through Undine's body, gathering in her core. If Morgana will not accept her, then all is lost and the change will not complete. It is Morgana she must convince. Morgana thought of her desire creeps over her body, covered in sweat and humidity, damp with heat and lust at the memories rushing in, mixed with a longing so fierce it can only be love. Her chest aches to feel this, and the ache is so pleasurably painful she almost sinks to her knees. If Morgana rejects her, she'll fade. Morgana is Ondine's anchor, and she wants her as much as Ondine does, as much as I do. She says, it's getting easier. A buzz vibrates the china on a shelf on the kitchen. She runs to see what is a phone, she remembers. There are 17 missed calls, all from Morgana, according to the glowing screen. She taps the button that should open the phone, but it is locked and Undine cannot remember the password. She takes a deep breath in. The kitchen smells like coffee, and through the open window comes the overwhelming scent of lilacs again. The smell both repels and attracts her, as anything floral is wont to do now. Part of her wants to shove bloom after bloom into her mouth ravenously, both consuming and destroying the flower. There's a kind of visceral satisfaction she gets from both thoughts, and she is aware of the saliva pooling in her mouth. She rushes out the back door, forgetting to watch for Jack, who streaks out after her. She gathers the blooms in her hands and crushes them to her mouth. Jack flops onto the grass to watch her. She wants to stop, but she shoves the flowers in and her teeth crush them. Scent explodes in her mouth, flooding her airways. Are lilacs poisonous? No. Andine remembers baking lilac-flavored scones with Morgana. 
kissing honey off her fingers. She remembers this with a mixture of jealousy and pleasure. The bloom she is holding falls to the ground and she with them. The grass is cool, still wet with dew. The day is hot already, but the damp blades are a reminder that night was not so long ago. She closes her eyes. Andine hears bees buzzing and the rasp of Jack's tongue on his fur. In the distance, she hears chickens going around their business and the sound of a vehicle on a dirt road. She sits up and peers down the hill. Something about this movement recalls the print hanging in the hall bath of Wyeth's Christina's world. It's Morgana in her beat-up blue Bronco. The vehicle speeds up at the end of the driveway, right past the place where Ondine knows you can see the front of the house. She turns to look at the front door and crawls towards it. Suddenly she feels very weak. By the time she pulls herself up onto the cool stone steps and is wiping all the thoughts of below from her mind, Morgana is pulling up to the house, brakes screeching. She lurches out of the car and sun beats down on her brown skin. Her hair is wilder than ever, falling far past her shoulders and waving out in every direction. She wears a frantic look, panic mixed with reverie when she halts out the front walk. She stares at Ondine, her mouth falls open, tears begin to run down her face, and she doesn't seem to be able to move. Jack winds around her legs, her strong, gorgeous legs. They are bare as she is wearing a pair of khaki shorts with zippered pockets. Cargo shorts, Ondine remembers. She feels like Ondine when she looks at Morgana. Hello, she says quietly, in a surprise by the rasping sound of her voice. She always sounded this way. She cannot remember what Andine is supposed to sound like. Morgana shakes her head and says with incredulity, Hello, this is how you begin? How did you get here? When did you wake up? Who let you out of the hospital? She should have expected these questions, but she didn't. What should she say? Where should she start? Because she has very little other choice. She begins with the truth, or one version of it anyway. This morning, I woke, I dressed, and I walked home. I'm sorry, I should have called you, but I could not remember a phone number. Morgana is sobbing now, but she begins to laugh. You just walked out of the hospital? Andi nods. Yes, thank you for leaving this dress. It's my favorite. This is true, of course, but why should she even think of lying now? At the hospital, she'd found the dress in a small closet near her bed. How could you walk so fast? Do you know how long it's been? What do you remember? Morgana's words tumble out of her and her voice, like the honey she loves so dearly, is rich and sweet and slow. There's a look that smacks of suspicion in her eyes. Best try to quell that quickly, Undine. Thank be Undine. She sighs deeply and says, Are you unhappy to see me? Her long lashes touch her cheeks as she looks down at her slender fingers at her palms. It is a wonder to stretch her arms. It is a wonder to have arms. Morgana claps a hand over her mouth and she falls to the ground, sobbing. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I never thought I'd talk to you again. She repeats these three phrases over and over. Undine goes to her and kneels by her, pulling her into her lap. 
This is what Undine would do, she thinks, but there's a part of her that is angry. There's a part of her that wants to demand passionate kisses and joyous lovemaking. Why is Morgana acting this way? Why is she suspicious so soon? A voice inside her, not her own, but Undine's nags. You aren't convincing her, that's why. She lifts Morgana's chin, so she looks into her eyes. Morgana's pretty face is starting to swell. Her face always swells when she cries, especially in the springtime. She has terrible seasonal allergies. I missed you, she says softly. I missed you every day we were apart. This is true, but perhaps not the way Morgana will understand it. She's not even sure she understands it anymore. Something about the change is deepening, ripening, making below seem very far away. She draws Morgana's face even closer to her own. She traces her lips with her index finger until they part. My love, she whispers. My love, did you miss me too? Their mouths crash against one another. Morgana's hands are in her hair and they're locked in an embrace so sweet Undine feels herself wake again and again. The pleasure of every electric touch. Of the heat running through each limb, of the dew covering their legs as they tangle in the grass. Morgana stands and drags Undine up with her and they pull at one another in a mad whirlwind of lips and tongues and arms and legs until they are in bed, their own sweet bed, in their own beautiful bedroom with the bay window that looks down the hill and far out to sea. Undine hadn't dared come in this room without Morgana, but here are her memories. Here is Ondine, in this room, between Morgana's lungs, between her legs, between her teeth, and in her hair. Here is Ondine inside Morgana, and Morgana inside Ondine. And they've both spent every last ounce of love and energy pent up over the time they've been apart. Morgana finally asks, What do you remember? What does she remember? She remembers the first time she saw Morgana when she was 16 years old, running through the forest, crying. So different from the time Undine saw Morgana in a coffee shop in Seattle, but they're both true. They're both real. And now they're all here together, mixed up and confused, but real. I remember it all, she whispers, knowing this isn't the wrong answer, but it isn't the right one either. Morgana frowns in response but pulls Ondine closer, yes. She is pulling Ondine closer and the different stings. I remember looking back at you and laughing. And then everything went dark. This is true. This is what Ondine remembers. So it is not a lie, but it is not all she remembers. She remembers watching Ondine, who looked back at her wife, to have one more long look at Morgana. Morgana, the beautiful Morgana, the timeless Morgana, the powerful and magical, and the wife of another. She remembers watching the truck barrel into Ondine. She remembers smiling and biding her time. Yes, she remembers. But she should not. These Thoughts should be dying out. The change should be ripe for the picking. This can only mean one thing. Her lover is not convinced. She looks at Morgana, who seems content enough. We should go to the doctor, just to have them look you over to make sure you're all right. 
Undine nods in response. This is logical, but she can't help thinking Morgana's suspicious of her. The next hours and days go by like a blur. Doctors, nurses, all is well. It's a miracle. Lunch with friends who cry and hug. Dinners with Morgana's mother who weeps and weeps. Undine's own parents are far away, but there are phone calls and promises to make a visit soon to pay the final hospital bill to close this sad chapter. But they will not visit. They're happy that Undine is awake, but they will never come to her house, just like they did not come to the engagement party or the wedding. They do not hate Morgana, but they refuse to love her. They preferred the man from so long ago, the one who pushed her down the stairs, but did not embarrass them. She remembers this for Ondine and says simply, We'll see you soon then, and hangs up the last time they call. And it will be the last time she knows this, unless they have a child. Perhaps they will call again and put money in a special account, but they will never see the child. She will never let them. Could they have a child? They could. This is a thought that pleases her immeasurably. A child. <laughs> Weeks pass, and still she remembers below. Still she remembers Morgana in the forest, and Morgana in the coffee shop, and all the Morganas in between. The memories of the Silver River deep under the earth, live alongside the mountains of Smith College and Ondine's frigid family Christmases before she met Morgana. Still, Morgana is attentive. Morgana laughs and talks about the animals at the clinic, about the cat who peed on the tech who clipped his nails, about the horse whose owner is sure he can talk. They walk in the garden and measure the progress of the pumpkins and gather the eggs. Carefully avoid talking about if Ondine will return to work or politics or poetry. They honeymoon, she realizes. They're honeymooning, wooing one another over and over again. Reacquainting themselves with one another's smells and touches and tastes, but they do not delve deep. They do not have the kinds of conversations Andina remembers having with Morgana. She does not fade, but the change becomes stuck, or so she thinks. This has never happened before. It is only ever this. Lifetime spent waiting for one like Morgana to appear, then to hunt, then seven years of sacrifice under the ground, then the change. Memories fade, the lover is convinced, and she changes. This is how it has always been till now. She worries, but as she hasn't dulled, she tries not to overthink things. This works a little too well. She stops worrying so much about Ondine and rests somewhere in between. But who is she without Ondine? It's not something she has ever had much time to consider. Who is she without the change? Spring turns to summer, then summer slips away. The heat draining from the earth. One day, she wakes up and feels so much like Ondine, like she has remembered how to be Ondine, that she is sure the change is upon her. She sits up in bed. It is raining and the morning is gray. Morgana has opened the curtains and she can see a storm moving in over the sea. 
She watches it for a moment, captivated as the gray water roils. It takes her ages to notice Morgana in the corner, staring at her with wide, angry eyes. What is it, my love? She asks, her voice shakes. You really think I'm so stupid? Morgana answers. She's turning something over in her hand, which is hard to see in the dim light, but she can smell it. She can smell the iron. I would never think that, she says. I think you're the most brilliant creature I've ever known, far better than any of the others. She is frank, and her voice does not sound like Ondine's. It sounds like the rushing silver river in the endless echoes of the caverns below. It sounds like howling wolves and dripping dewdrops. How long have you known? Since the moment you showed up here, Morgana spits, but I wasn't sure until now. And what will you do with that iron blade? She asks, not even trying to sound like Ondine. That question clatters to the floor and Morgana's eyes are wide with fear. The change will never come now. A scream builds in her throat, but she pushes it back down, hating the way it feels coiled in her stomach. She looks down at her hands, but they're on Dean's hands. They have not faded. How can this be? She gazes at Morgana and narrows her eyes, still human sight, still on Dean's nearsightedness. Do, do you? She pauses and the thought catches in her throat, nearly choking her. Love me? Morgana springs and she kicks the iron blade aside. She pushes the sheets back and pins her to the bed. They're both panting hard. Morgana pulls her hair at the nape of her neck, but slowly. She nips at her throat and her lips. She kisses and teases. She traces her jaw with her tongue and breathes into her ear. I love something about you. But you are not Ondine. You do not taste like Ondine. You do not smell like Ondine. And now when I look at you, you hardly even look like Ondine. Morgana's eyes are soft as she pulls her other hand back and slips it under the small of her back. She pulls her close until there is no space between them. You, whatever you are, you taste like lilacs pine. You smell like the forest and the sea. You feel like home beyond the veil and there is something I cannot help but love about you. But you must tell me, what have you done with Ondine? She closes her eyes. This will be the end. Even if they get this far, they never forget the original. They never let them go. It doesn't matter that Morgana is different, that she is special. Lifetimes past don't matter. Not when she cannot be on Dean. Still, she has been asked a question, and so she must answer. Ondine is gone, but not gone. She is here and elsewhere. I am Ondine, and I am not. I am both she and myself. I am both. This is true. While what was purely Ondine left in the spring, what was practically Ondine remains, as does she. 
Morgana fall on the bed next to her. Will you live forever? Morgana asks. As long as you, she answers. Will you ever leave me? Morgana asks. Not ever, she answers. Will you love me? Morgana asks. Forever and always, she answers. Alison Carr Wechter is the author of Vessel of Starfire, the debut novel in the Outlaws of Interra trilogy. She lives in Minnesota, where she spends her days telling stories and helping others tell theirs. Right now, she is probably drinking a cup of tea and herding a lynx cat off of her desk. Follow her work and sign up for her newsletter at the link in our description for news of upcoming tales. And new from Holly Carlson and Alison Carr Wechter, The Way of Thorn and Key. Linked by blood, separated by time, witches are disappearing and only the Blackthorns can save them. This new adult fantasy serial includes a diverse cast of characters, a queer love story, and a magical village lost to human perception. The Way of Thorn and Key is the story of two witches brought together by a magical book. Poppy and Briar must find a way to work together to save the people they love. Discover it now on their Patreon. Wittershins is created by Ashley Nunez of Old Growth Alchemy and folk musician Joe Saborin. In the presence of their curious cat Django, a few too many half-drunk cups of tea, and far too many begrudgingly half-completed art projects. If you'd like to follow along Joe and his musical machinations, you can find him at Joe Saborin Music on Facebook and Instagram or joesaborin.com. For more glimpses into the wild woods of story, botanical libations, and sensual ephemera, you can find me, Ashley, at Old Growth Alchemy on Facebook and Instagram or at oldgrowthalchemy.com. And if you've enjoyed what you're listening to, give us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify. Until next time, friends new and old, we'll be sure to keep the kettle on with a seat open for you by the fire.